All Saints Day is uh, November 1st, actually, every year All Saints Day is. So we recognize All Saints on the first Sunday of November each year, whatever date that happens to be. This is uh, actually one of the oldest celebrations in the Christian calendar. In fact, the church has been celebrating All Saints for almost 1,200 years now. And in our United Methodist tradition, the focus for this day is actually twofold. First, we, we specifically remember those uh, members of Christ United Methodist Church who have died in the past year. This morning, we named 24 saints who have gone on to glory since last All Saints, fellow travelers who shared our spiritual journey for a season and have now gone on to their eternal reward. Recognizing our recently departed uh, saints is an important part of this day. This is also a day for us to remember everyone in our lives, family, friends, teachers, mentors, who have gone before us no matter how long they have been gone. Those who, in the traditional language of the church, are now part of the church triumphant with Christ in eternity. In so doing, we remind ourselves of our own eternal destiny as followers of Jesus Christ. And this is important, I think, uh, because we spend most of our time as United Methodists talking about how to live faithful lives on this side of the grave, which is highly appropriate and it seems to me should be our primary focus as Christians. But I'm grateful for opportunities like All Saints, which give us the chance to remind ourselves that our lives here on this side of the grave truly are uh, lived in the context of eternity. Having said all that, this day can, can definitely be a bit, a bit somber. And so I thought I would share a story with you that uh, is a little less so. A couple from Michigan decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly cold winter. It was a very romantic plan. Uh, they were going to stay at the same hotel that they had spent their honeymoon in 20 years earlier. But because both of them were in the midst of these very hectic careers, it was almost impossible to coordinate their travel schedules. And so they decided to meet in Florida at the end of their respective business trips. Well, the husband's trip uh, finished a day early, and so he arrived on Thursday while his wife was flying down the following day. He checked into the hotel, uh, decided to send a quick email to his wife before wrapping up a few business items for the week. But he accidentally left out one letter in her email address, um, as it turns out, one very important letter, and then he hit, he hit send without realizing his error. Meanwhile, somewhere in North Carolina, uh, a widow had just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was an elderly minister who had died suddenly of a heart attack. Uh, this widow, who had been a preacher's wife for over 40 years, decided to check her email, uh, expecting messages of condolence from family and friends and the parishioners of the churches they had served over the years. But after reading her very first email, she screamed and she fainted. And their son rushed in the room, saw her lying on the floor, and noticed the email that she had just read. To my loving wife, subject, can't wait to see you. <laughs> Hi, honey, I got here earlier than I expected. I just arrived and checked in. I've seen to it that everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. Uh, P.S. Dress for the heat because it's hot down here. (laughs) 
I love silly preacher jokes. So good. <laughs> so the, the promise of our faith gives us permission to laugh, uh, to laugh even on a day when we celebrate our dead because we have uh, the assurance of knowing that death does not get the final say and that we don't have to worry about the heat <laughs> when our life here is complete. Funerals are an important part of the life of the church, and so often the most affirming and uplifting funerals are those that are able to blend uh, healthy tears with healthy laughter, where the life of the dearly departed can be celebrated and the, and the hope of our faith can be affirmed. In our tradition, we actually don't call them funerals anymore. That's the term we use, but the, uh, the official name of the service, and that you'll see printed on the bulletins uh, in the United Methodist Church, is a service of death and resurrection because we, we both acknowledge the reality of death and um, proclaim the hope of our faith. And in so doing, we have the chance to both address the very real loss that we have felt and remind ourselves that something good awaits God's faithful. The Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians is the oldest writing in the New Testament. It predates the earliest gospel by about two decades which means that when Paul addresses the issue of death, the subject of death, uh, it's the earliest glimpse that we get of Christian theology developing in this area. And Paul uh, does not tell the Thessalonians not to grieve. He's often misquoted. Grief is a natural response to death because death was never God's uh, desire, never God's intention for the world anyway. Even Jesus, after all, wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, knowing full well he was about to restore him to life. Instead, what Paul says is uh, that the Thessalonians and all Christians should not grieve as others do who have no hope. Because tears are understandable and, and natural and unavoidable when we lose someone we love, but we're comforted and sustained by the truth of our faith. And that, that truth is proclaimed in one of the recommended Old Testament texts for our services of death and resurrection. It's gonna be our scripture for today. So this is uh, Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. This is a pretty familiar text, or at least parts of it will sound familiar for sure. Listen, friends, for the word of God, as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So these verses come from uh, a section of Isaiah that scholars refer to as second Isaiah. It begins in chapter 40, and it was written near the end of the exile in Babylon after this very uh, dark half century for God's people. Our faith ancestors were in the midst of this incredibly tumultuous and disorienting period of our salvation history. They were displaced, they were forlorn, 
They were desperately needing hope. And what Second Isaiah offers is precisely that. The 40th chapter, this section known as Second Isaiah, begins with words that set the tone for this entire part of Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. And then the end of that 40th chapter uh, ends with a reminder of the power of God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Near the end of their 50 years in exile, God, through the prophet Isaiah, makes this promise that, that those who wait for the Lord will be rewarded for their faithfulness. And over the centuries, there would emerge this expectation of a Messiah who would set everything right. And of course, uh, as Christians, we believe that Jesus was that Messiah. In Christian theology, we believe that those who wait for the Lord will receive the promise of eternal rest in Christ. As the earliest Christian author, the Apostle Paul, laid the foundation for this theology in his letters seven years or so after encouraging the Thessalonians not to grieve as those who have no hope, Paul wrote his second letter to the Corinthians. And in the opening verse of that letter, Paul uses this term that we have come to use for all Christians, saints. And the Greek word that he uses there is hagios, which literally means holy ones or consecrated ones or ones who are set apart for the work of God in the world. And it's rooted in this theology of Paul that we believe that uh, the saints are all of those whom God has set apart, all of those whom God has destined for righteousness and salvation, all of those whom God has consecrated to do God's work in the world, and of course, all of those who join God in eternity when our life here ends. And it's our faith in Christ that makes us holy. It's nothing that we do. It's our faith in him that, that makes us these holy ones, that sets us apart, which means, of course, that all of us are the holy ones of God, both in this world and in the world to come. As I reflected on the, on the lives of the 24 saints whose names we called to begin this service, and as I as I think about all of God's faithful anywhere who have died in the past year, and as I, as I think about uh, all the saints um, in each of our lives whom we name in our hearts on this day, and the chances are that all of us have a long list of saints in our lives who have died in the Lord, I'm, I'm struck by how different our spiritual journeys are. Some get to live long, faithful lives, arriving at the end in this great phrase from Genesis 25, full of years and in a good old age. Some are blessed to have that as their experience. While some face illness or tragedy in, in middle age and go on to the other side of resurrection before anyone had expected or hoped. And then heartbreakingly, sometimes the young and sometimes the very young join the great company of saints in heaven and parents are, are faced with this worst loss that any of us can imagine. And when we lose someone we love, we face this reality of, of death and the accompanying grief. No matter how long 
that we've had with those we love, the holy ones in our lives who have meant so much to us, our, our saints who have gone before us, no matter how long we've had with them, I'm reminded of the wisdom of that noted theologian, Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> who said, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. It's been said that, that grief is the cost of loving someone. The, the grief that comes with goodbye is real, never to be minimized, never to be denied. But as Christians, we are people of the resurrection, <laughs> a truth that is never more important than when facing the reality of death. On All Saints, as God's faithful, we have the, the comfort of reminding ourselves how lucky we are that goodbye is only temporary. How blessed we are by a faith that promises us so much. As Isaiah comforted God's people so long ago, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God waiting to welcome us home when our journey here is complete. Our faith assures us that death is, is just a transition from being saints who are consecrated for the work of God here to being saints who rest with God in eternity. Friends, All Saints is a day when we give thanks for the holy ones who have meant so much to us. It's a day when we remember that we are called to be holy ones on this side of the grave. A day when we claim the promise that all of us will someday join the great company in heaven. Thanks be to God for our saints. Amen.